1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. Here we go, boys. Go. Ooh, I love that sound. This is a good one. Hey everybody, welcome to the Full Scale Outdoors podcast. This is the Waterfall Wednesday edition, so Nick Johnson is here with Dale Luganville. Quack, quack, motherfuckers. So, I uh, just went to um, Bozeman, Montana last Friday. I went with Joe Heinz and uh, Mike Benjamin, 11-time world champion caller Mike Benjamin. And um, we had a hell of a time, man. Looked like a lot of fun. Yeah, dude, it was a lot of fun. I believe this was the first time that they ever, that this contest or any contest has ever been held in Montana. So I got a chance to judge the Big Sky Regional Duck Calling Contest, um, the Open Goose Calling Contest there, and then I was supposed to judge the uh, state contest too, but they must have had enough guys because I never heard anything. <laughs> Maybe they were frantically looking for me and I was just in the corner drinking. <laughs> <laughs> i'm just kidding i'm just kidding mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. so one thing that was pretty cool is um, matt mccormick and brady davis i have to turn on my do not disturb because phil schmidt's calling me right now about our pigeon hunt for tomorrow oh party call yes <laughs> yeah should we just get him on the podcast is that the, possible it, um i'm sure there's some way to do it i don't i've never tried to do a three-way but i'm i mean a three-way call i mean um I'm sure there's some way of doing it. To do a three-way. <laughs> I'm sure there's some way to do it. All right, never mind. Well, I'll just have to call him back later. Okay. Um, so we fly into Bozeman. Matt McCormick and Brady Davis pick all three of us up and get us into our hotel room. And then there was a um, like a little meet and greet deal at uh, the Meat Eater World Headquarters in Bozeman, and that was super super cool. They had kind of set up like a little entryway where they had chips and plates and uh everybody was hanging out kind of on the back patio they had a grill set up out there we had burgers and brats going and uh some beers and some um non-alcoholic beverages as well and coolers so we're all just having a good time a bunch of callers showed up rob strong showed up and um anyways we're sitting there and we're like 
hey, can we uh, can we get a tour of this place? Because there is 140 employees that work at Meat Eater. That's crazy. <laughs> that That is crazy. This whole office is just like a big media house, basically. And just a storage unit for all of their, like, camera equipment and computer equipment. You know, it's it's an office with 140 people working in it. Right. And um, so the first really cool place we went to check out was the Meat Eater Podcast Studio, which it's not quite as nice as yours, Dale, but... <laughs> Okay. <laughs> you they know, the, this... They're working towards something. You know, I'm not going to knock them. I'm not going to knock them either. They're trying. Yeah. They're, they're trying over there. They're giving it their best and, shot. Uh, the guy gave us like uh, some kind of like unofficial numbers of the downloads they get. They get per month on like all their different meat eater related podcasts. Like I said, they're trying. Yeah, they're not right. up to me and I'm, you quite yet. No, I'm sure they're right behind us though, nipping at it's our amazing. heels. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, and uh so they had this big like musk ox pelt i think it was up on the wall and i got to rub my fingers through it like nice. that was crazy i've never touched a musk ox pelt before like my fingers just kept going deeper and deeper and deeper into it i don't know why that stands out as such a highlight of that podcast studio but it was for me ran my fingers I... through some uh, musky heifers before but never a musk ox <laughs> so we end up going uh so we just kind of take a tour. We see everybody's, um, we see everybody's office. Some people I knew like Max Bardo works there. I got to see where Max works. Who's, uh, he's been doing like, uh, if you've watched, uh, waterfowl content in the last 10 years, you've definitely seen some of Max's work. So, and he ended up showing up too, like later on that night. And I was like, what's up? I put a beer can in your trash. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to get you fired. Yeah, right. Planted we saw uh, they brought us into uh, Steve Rinella's office as well. Nice. And that was really cool. He had a bunch of cool old photos. I think of like his dad hunting back in the day. And uh, w- the one thing that stood out to me at Steve's uh, in Steve's office was he had like this four and a half inch long Clovis Point spearhead. That's so which, dope. That was super dope. I don't think I've ever seen like a Clovis pointed uh, arrowhead or spearhead in my life outside of like a museum. Yeah, I don't think I've, I've never seen one in person. I don't know if I've even seen one in, in a museum, if I'm being, I mean, maybe I have. I didn't know what I was looking at or whatever, but definitely yeah, so I've never to, seen one in person. I don't know. That just stood out to me in, in his office was that Clovis point. I was like, holy fuck. And, um, I don't think anybody else gave a shit. So like, you know, it's like a spearhead, man. I don't know. Like, yeah, just a spearhead made by somebody 5,000 years right? ago. Crazy. That was a lost technology that nobody knew how the fuck they made these things for like, until like 1990, they figured out like how the Clovis points are made. I think I've Googled it before, but whatever. So that was the meat eater, uh, the meat eater kind of welcome party, uh, great time. And the next day, the calling contest themselves and the vendor show was at um, a store that's called the Sitka Depot, which is this like uh, a Sitka store. It's a store with all the Sitka in it, which was super cool to see too because you can go to a Shields and you can go to um, a Cabela's or uh, Joe's Sporting Goods. And see some Sitka and try some on, but it's you can't see all the Sitka, you know, and like yeah. actually yeah, yeah, like yeah. compare and contrast 
and they have like literally every type of pant there and it's in your size you know so if you wanted to like dude if i lived close or i found a cheap airline ticket and (laughs) i wanted to like just completely outfit myself with sitka i guess i would just take the time to go to that damn store you know Mm. just because like otherwise i have played the game I guess it wasn't too big of a pain in the ass, but I p- played the game of ordering two sizes and returning one. Yeah, that's that's my <sighs> parks. I'm old. I just like uh, ordering online is just. Uh, it's tough. I have, I have a hard enough time in stores, or I'm like, yeah, this will fix. I'm the I'm the idiot that doesn't actually try stuff on. I'm like, oh, 32, 36, that's my size. Take it home. I'm like, yeah, these don't fit for shit. And then I got to take yeah. it back. I didn't like to do that. Much less like ordering online. Like that's just right. like <sighs> I know it's not gonna fit. I know I'm going to have to return it, and I know I won't return it, so I'm just wasting whatever money it is that it, that it cost me. I'm the worst. <laughs> I showed some very um, very good restraint. I only purchased two new face masks. That, that was, was really good restraint. Well done. I know, right? Oh. It's almost like I have enough Sitka, <laughs> which I would consider my Sitka like collection to be – fully i'm fully decked out for any situation that i need to use whatever piece of clothing and i have doubles of the things i need doubles of and that's it like i'm i'm bare bones to the point where i am ready for any situation but i don't have like uh, ben webster said this to me when we were working in canada he said nick you're the only goose hunter i've ever met that wears nothing but sitka on every hunt and never wears Sitka when you're not hunting. It's like, yeah, I'm not buying the fucking back forty pants. <laughs> I'm not. I yeah. I'm not buying the t-shirts, dude. Like, I shop at Kohl's and Walmart for my everyday clothes, you know. And uh, I'm not buying a lot of. I'm not buying a lot of frivolous Sitka. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I ain't paying forty five dollars for a, a a cotton Sitka t-shirt. Like that's exactly ridiculous. exactly. I'm paying. I'm paying for the um, performance. The performance fabric, specialized fitting clothes for when I need them, for when I'm outside and it's potentially cold and wet, and to prevent me from getting cold and wet. Other, I mean, like for and scouting, the warranty. my my Walmart and the warranty, and my Walmart jeans and uh, regular hoodies do just fine when I'm in a truck scouting. Right. <laughs> yep. I agree. I wish I could. I wish I could afford that stuff though, because it is pretty cool. Even though Not I have, hating. I don't. I don't own a single. I don't own a single stitch of Sitka yet. Oh really? Yeah, I just I haven't I haven't pulled the trigger. It's the price tag is still a barrier for me. If more yeah, people would is. download this podcast, <laughs> blame the audience. That's that's what they want to hear. Chastise them. Uh. <laughs> so, anyways, um. That was a really cool experience going to see the uh, Sitka store. I took an upper deck poop in one of their toilets. Nice. Never forget that. Nice. I'm just kidding. I didn't do that. But um, the Pacific Calls guys were there. Right next to me, uh, right next to the Pacific Calls booth was the um, decoy carts. The honker hauler guy was there. So his name is Chris. And we had talked a ton on the phone over the years because I was like, the first guy to get that electronic wheel on my honker hauler cart mm-hmm. besides me. Like, besides him. So, like, we had to do quite a bit of, like, talking me through uh, how to actually modify my cart and put it on oh, and nice. what wheel to get. So, it was great to meet him. You got some, improve- some improvement ideas for the, the motorized rickshaw now? Um, no. Oh. 
No, it's just cool to meet him. That was anticlimactic. All right. <laughs> and? <laughs> and um, what else was there? Dude, there's a company there called Land Trust, which is kind of like the Airbnb of outdoor recreation. It's for, like, hunting, fishing. It's like a private landowner can, like, take their cornfield and be like, want a goose out here? It's enrolled in Land Trust. You know, it's like whatever. That's such a great idea. Person. That is a very great idea. Which I mean, some, some people, here's, some people here's are not going to like it because they look, I ain't paying to hunt. Yeah, well. Exactly. Exactly, dude. But here's the way I look at it. I don't show up to like a bowling alley and be like, hey, I got my own bowling net, like bowling right. ball and shoes. Yeah. Why shouldn't I be able to use your lanes for free? Right. You're like, you knock on the, like, hey, you mind if I uh, bowl a few uh, frames in your basement? I got my own pins. I got a ball. I got everything. Shoes. I just, I just need a hard yeah. flat surface. And I, I see that right. you have one. You mind if I? Like nobody does that. Literally nobody does that for anything but fishing or See, hunting. And I some mean, people. There are some people where like access is an issue, but it's on them. Like, and this is just a personality type of people where some guys are just they don't like asking for permission. They don't like knocking on the door. We all know one of these guys that is like. Um, hey, I found some geese. Like, go knock on that door. And they're like, uh, you know, you can hear the hesitation. It's just, it's mm-hmm. a personality type among people, just human beings. Some people are like that. And for somebody like that, that's out there, um, if that's just the way you are, the way you were born, you don't, you don't like the weirdness of saying, hey, I'm a stranger. Can I hunt on your land to somebody? Like, what if there was, uh, in the future, let's say this thing got integrated with like Onyx, and you could see that that field is enrolled right. in a program like Land Trust, and there's a link to it, and you're just like, oh fuck, okay, well, twenty five bucks, like, bloop. and then you can see it's available for tomorrow. Like, I guess I'm hunting there tomorrow. If that was easy, mm-hmm. and a hundred percent worth whatever, you know, if it's not worth it, don't fucking buy it. I can see that if it, if that idea ever got really popular. So just expound on like the Airbnb thing. Like there's some places up here, for example, like there's a housing shortage because there's no actual like houses to rent if somebody wanted to rent a house because if somebody could rent it as an Airbnb and make the same amount per week as they make per month, they're for sure going to do that. So meaning that there's, it's going to be susceptible to the same forces of any capitalistic market. So let's just say like Rochester areas or whatever, the price to get on one of those fields is going to climb uh, as demand climbs. You know, if it's, sure. a, if, it, if it's a high demand field. So I do, I do feel like it could like actually price out for some people. Now I'm not crying fall. I'm not saying that's a bad thing or a good thing or whatever. I'm just saying it's, it's a thing I can see happening. So take it for what it's worth, but it's the same, but, it's still their property. You still don't just have a right to it because it's there. It's really not much different than people leasing right now. At least, even if it is expensive, at least this new potential way, you have a shot. If it's leased, you have no shot. You know, unless well, you can get oh, unless, unless you can get in contact service. with the guy that leases it and he gives you, you know, subleases or, it to you or something. I don't know. You know, I think would it be a good thing for guide services to do if they do lease fields, which one thing people have this misconception that guides lease fucking tons of land, which they do not because guides have to uh, put food on the table and they can't spend a million dollars on leases. You know, if a guy can't make some money on a field, then like, well, how many, how many hunts do you think you can realistically run 
on a field, you know, over the course of a season. Three? Right. Okay. Right. Well, thank I have five clients each time. Each client's paying 200 bucks, so I can do $3,000 worth of business on this field, minus all these other expenses I have. Like, what's my real budget for leasing a field? You know, a grand? Shit, if you and five of your buddies come up with 250 bucks, you can beat out the guide for that field, you know? Right. Like, because if you don't have a financial incentive. Anyways, I totally forgot where I was going with that. <laughs> Sorry, I derailed you. <laughs> Uh, tangents, but uh, I was just going to... over cool stuff you saw in Montana and you, you had brought up that, cool that program. Stuff. Uh, oh, um, at the meat eater headquarters, I actually got the touch of Dave Smith decoy hawk or floater. Um, they look fantastic. They're ginormous. Uh, that's two, uh, things I do like about floaters. Was there, a, was there a price point on those? Uh, it should be on the website. I guess I don't know it off the top of my head, but they are selling them. If you don't know, meat eater recently purchased Dave Smith decoys. Oh, I did so, not know that. Yeah, that's why the Dave Smith decoy line was at Meat Eater, and they're showing it to us. Hmm. And then there was some uh, some of the, the – Meat Eater also owns a company called First Light, which is a Sitka Gear competitor. Mm-hmm. So they, they gave us a couple First Light t-shirts for showing up, which is nice. super cool. They're very comfortable. I do own and, some First Light stuff, under, under uh, base layer stuff, really good stuff. Like it? Mm-hmm. I do. Coming from – Coming from a guy that can't compare it to Sitka, your word means nothing to me. Well, I know what a good a good I'm garment just is. I, I'm just being a Sitka snob, just to for, just to be a dick. Um, no, they keep teasing. They keep you know. I hate to advertise for another podcast, but they keep teasing uh, First Light a pair of waders that they're coming out with. Now, do you have right. any experience with the Sitka waders that are like twelve hundred bucks? I actually don't have any experience with any uninsulated waiter ever. Okay. I I've never worn one. I, I've I've literally gone into like a Shields or a Cabela's my entire life, just once every three years, and picked up the one hundred and twenty to one hundred and forty dollar neoprene waders that they got there. And I'm not saying that as a proud man. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm just saying, like thankfully, I you're getting your money's that, worth. Because I, I do get my money's worth. But I haven't I was, found like the amount of money I spend on waiters does not translate into longevity. If like, I wore waiters for a sixty-day duck season, I would buy two Sitka waiters. You know, one for everyday use and a backup for when that was out for repair. But do I don't. You, I don't hunt sixty days a year in waiters. In fact, I hunted two days last year in waiters, sure. and I hunted a lot of days. I can't. I, I just. I can't. So I can't keep a pair of waders that like don't leak after one season. It's ridiculous. You know, mine, I've mine do all right. Money. Mine do okay. I my neoprenes, but I mean they don't. I certainly have uh, gone hunting in neoprene waders, like when it's very cold out, and been like, I'm very cold. And I've gone uh, hunting when it's very hot out, and I've been, I'm very sweaty. You know, there's no. Yeah, there is no perfect. Yeah. It sucks. Wearing neoprene waders fucking sucks. I just don't have the justification or the money to throw around on uh, on that type of a purchase. If I spend $1,000 on a piece of hunting equipment, I would want that piece of equipment to be in my regular rotation of, of useful things. And I'm sure my life would be better with a pair of Sitka waders on those two to three hunts I do per season <laughs> right. where, where I'm wearing waders. And if I got a job 
uh, a different job that maybe if I was guiding more duck hunts down south, um, I would definitely uh, could highly, highly consider it. Right. I actually thought I actually was looking for some last year, cash in hand, ready to buy them. And I couldn't find them anywhere. And this was late summer, you know, bad time to be looking for waiters um, because I thought I would be running more pond duck hunts at my job in Saskatchewan. And I ended up just taking home like they didn't have any Sitka waiters that, that fit me at any stores. And I called them all. And I ended up taking home another pair of the uh, neoprene Ducks Unlimited uh, sticker, whatever bullshit neoprene waiters that they had for dirt cheap. And I was kind of happy I did because I really didn't use waiters very frequently. And, and I think I did it like one time in Saskatchewan and one time when I got home. Yeah, I'm in the market again for this year. My ones, the ones I had last year, it worked great. And then I actually think I may have done something to them in my whole four wheeler fiasco because they were. They, 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 I finished the season with them not leaking, and then I used them for putting in a dock or something this spring. And I'm like, and they were leaking in a bunch of places. So it's like, what the fuck? How does it? How does it oh, go from sucks. not touching them, you know, to like not leaking to leaking like what the hell happened but at least i got those ones cheap they were a buddy of mine he has, they weren't the right size for him and they worked for me so he sold me super cheap so that's at least that's fine but yeah now i'm back in the market for waiters again god i wonder how many waiters i've bought in my life it's ridiculous hey um you know last week we were going to kind of go through some uh new products that came out i'm just sitting here i got the duck mm-hmm. unlimited gear issue i was looking at it page 84 uh, number eight, Higdon Motion Flats Canada Goose Silhouettes. Have you seen these? I have not, but I could um, search them. I could look them up. They're on the Higdon Instagram page. I know that, the Higdon Decoy Instagram page. Um, but for our listeners, I'll describe what they are. It is a silhouette decoy that is on a pivot. So in the breeze, they will rotate. I don't know how many degrees. They, they wiggle back and forth. They go back and forth in the wind. Okay. I got you. Like they don't spin all the oh, way around. They rotate, they rotate 145 degrees on their unique stakes in the slightest breeze, adding motion to your spread. This product stands out to me um, in the 2023 realm of products as like the number one the number one most useless best-selling (laughs) (laughs) not i'm not talking shit on these things either because as long as they don't break they're not gonna hurt your hunt but like you know how people are just absolutely obsessed with motion yes it's like flocking like people are obsessed with flocking although there's nobody out there that's killing more geese today because of flocked heads on full bodies like a flocked head bigfoot doesn't kill more geese than an unflocked head i'm looking at this video and that's gonna be a no for me dog do you see how they wiggle back and forth in the wind yeah so so the same people that are like worried about glare what do you think that's gonna do that's true i guess i didn't think of that however they move dude what a fantastic idea to sell silhouette decoys they move, it's like, a great it's a great money making oh, scheme but I, I think they move too much like if you could have one they just like wobble a little bit that'd be so it kind of maybe looks like a goose walking <laughs> but this is like 
Oh yeah, they they're, wiggle back and forth. They're swiveling 180. Like that's couldn't be and any more unrealistic in the movie. Look at the look at the comments section. Like people are like game changer and oh yeah, <laughs> for sure. Like need this, <laughs> and it's like, um, here's the thing. You're not going to kill any more or any less geese because of that system. But still, I think it's one of the coolest inventions people have come out with. Just because I'm like. Now that's a good fucking idea to make some money right there. Mm-hmm. Oh, people will Which, for sure. Look at this eat one. Will that these be available in Pidge? <laughs> Did somebody write that? Yep. Oh my Said, will God. these be available in Pidge asking for a friend? Why don't you ask for yourself? <laughs> I don't know. Don't you hunt Spoiler pigeons? alert. Spoiler alert. They work great. I wish we could have gotten Phil uh three-way into this conversation because that would be a good segue me and phil have been talking about pigeon decoys um and just pigeon hunting a lot like the last week and okay i don't use any pigeon decoys i only use dead pigeons and spinners right Mm -hmm. and phil and here's why a canada goose looks at a dave smith decoy that's made out of plastic and it thinks it's another Canada goose. I'm not convinced that a pigeon looks at a plastic pigeon decoy and thinks it's another pigeon because they are so attracted to one another's live feathers for whatever. I don't know. It, you could say it's UV. I don't know if it's UV, but they 100% key in on real feathers. So in my opinion, the plastic decoys, which they do not see as other pigeons, end up being garbage in your deep like garbage in your otherwise feed field or cattle lots or pasture it's almost like just shit that's strewn out there that these pigeons aren't seeing as other pigeons it's just like somebody threw a bunch of pot bottles out there to them you know like it's it's to push back a little bit though it might like what you said about the those silhouettes like it probably isn't going to hurt your hunt it's it oftentimes doesn't how i do think it doesn't help your hunt. And things that don't help my hunt, I tend not to risk having them hurt my hunt, a la sure. like fl- flags and stuff. So um, Phil strongly disagrees with me on that. Phil mm. does th- Phil does think that um, plastic pigeon decoys do trick pigeons into thinking that they are other pigeons. Um, however, we do agree that it's best not to use a lot of full bodies. Like if you do use full bodies, stick to like 12 or less. I wish she was on this phone call. Maybe I, I don't, I don't think I'm misquoting them because all Phil uses is 12. And then, um, we both agree to not use silhouettes. Add call. Should I try? Should I try calling them? Yeah. See if, see if you can patch them in. Let's face it. All right. Let's see. Keep talking. That's it. I, I thought the podcast was over. Oh. I was waiting for Phil to try to spice this up at this point. All right, we're gonna. I'm gonna. I'm. I'm. I'm I like how I'm trying it. Oh no! I just lost. Just lost. Just lost. Nick. Hello, it's Phil. Leave a message. Oh, of course. All right. No, I it put you on hold, and it went right. Then I called him. It went to his message. So. All right. Wouldn't have worked. Dude, I see. Damn it. I see Drake Waterfowl um, is coming back up. Is coming out with some jackets that are back in the old school shadow grass. Which, fuck, do I love the old school yeah, shadow grass? I think I like that shadow grass too. 
Oh God! Yeah, Filson. Filson makes a couple garments um, with old school shadow grass on it. Old school shadow grass. The first shadow grass that ever came out. That came out like in '99 or 2000. It was like right when I was like 12 or 13 years old, like becoming of age. And I just thought it was the coolest fucking camo, and it was. And it still to this day looks so great. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm pumped to see that Drake is coming out with some stuff that's in Shadowgrass. And if he, if anybody shows up wearing like Shadowgrass around me, I'm like, Shadowgrass! You know, I'm just like... <laughs> <laughs> like where you get Dude, uh, Wade Shoemaker, I seen him. He had a fucking watch, a watch band on his watch that oh, was made dope. of Shadowgrass. I was like, what the fuck? How could you see it? <laughs> oh man oh okay here's something for, uh here's another product that's coming out um these are number five shen gear uninsulated field bibs and for all the people out there that love solids they're in a field brown which nice. i don't under personally i don't understand solids i think we're hunting so you should wear camouflage because we're hunting and usually when I go hunting, I wear camouflage because of the nature of trying to conceal myself, right? Sure, but if you're in a blind. Or if you're outside of a blind taking a pee or retrieving birds or True. doing anything or just want to be prepared for the hunt situation. But a khaki, but a khaki, uh, a field khaki or whatever. Uh, it's not you, camouflage, you're right. If you stay still, it is. <laughs> <laughs> is it crazy how evolution has created those uh, real tree white-tailed deer? Oh, wait, no, they're just brown. And all I gotta do is stay still, and they disappear. But is would it be better if you were wearing camouflage? Yay, yay or nay? Maybe, maybe not. That's Allegedly, true. it's supposed to break up your outline. But I just, I just want to be the best I can be. That's it. <laughs> I don't want to fuck anything up. You know, like if I'm retrieving a bird, I'd rather be head to toe camouflage yeah. when I'm laying in the field than a guy wearing blue jeans and a black hoodie. Well, blue jeans and a black hoodie, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna be with you in there. But I would say any sort of earth tone that even remotely blends into the field is probably okay. But what I have always said is that I think that optifade pattern that Sitka has is one of the best ever. And I don't it's even okay. own any of it. But when you take it's okay. like, I've hunted in like a combine cornfield. And you take the jacket off grass. and you throw it down. I disagree. <laughs> you put that. You better remember where you threw that jacket, son, because it like it disappears. Dude, if one day I've had my Sitka gear, like a lot of my uh, outerwear pieces, now I've had for seven or eight years. And um, if they came out with Sitka gear uh, in shadow grass, I would burn that shit and buy all new stuff. <laughs> 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 I think the Optifade is okay. It's okay. It's it's not the best, and it's not the worst. It's a good middle of the road camouflage. It doesn't make me mad. No, I think I think it's the best in a combined field. Sometimes, sometimes in a combined field, in a combined cornfield. No, it doesn't match <laughs> soybeans as good. Doesn't match wheat as good, for sure. And may, maybe that's where your shadow grass shines a little better. Maybe it does better in. Well, and you grass your blinds in a lot, so you know maybe that right, makes more right, sense. Right. But. And uh, if you want to talk about, like, some old-school camos that sure, certainly fucking worked good. Like, if we're talking, like, a yellow camo, um, KW1 by Avery Greenhead Gear. Amazing camouflage for yellow situations, whether that be cornfields or dried-up cattails. Um, there was another camouflage called Advantage Wetlands. That was mm. sick. I even have some layout lines in Advantage Wetlands or 
Um, and oh, back to these Shen Gear waders, though. I can see they have a zipper that goes up the side that goes lower than your knee. That's a fail. Hmm. I I just can't imagine having a pair of uh, bibs where the zipper doesn't go like all the way up to your hip. Sure. Yeah, I don't know. That seems like a a necessary thing. Yeah, on the new bibs on that the meat eater, they had some first light stuff that's for twenty twenty four. And um their zipper goes all the way up to the hip, but however, it does not go all the way down to the ankle. It goes down to like the shin, maybe like just lower than a muck boot would go. Like and then the bottom of it is heavy duty magnets that keep it together. That way if for people that don't wash their clothing and don't keep zippers nice, like at least the zipper isn't that close down to okay, um, I see. the mud line, which is a decent idea. But I'm not a big fan of magnets on my clothing, even on my Sitka gear. Like it just like snaps onto the side of the truck when you're pulling stuff out of it. And sure. Other stuff kind of sticks to it. I don't know. What else were we talking about? Uh, nothing. We're going through gear. I was in that advantage camo. What I found with that, or maybe the max. I don't. One of them. I thought was too dark. Overall, too dark. That would be like good, max looks, four or max five. Yeah, it looks good up close, but then when you see somebody wearing it like at a distance in a cattail marsh or whatever, it's like I can see you. Like it's just it. Does, it's too dark. It doesn't blend in. Right. I don't remember. I, I don't remember you, which version, but I I do re- recall one of those. I'm like, oh, this looks really good, and then all of a sudden I saw it out in the. In, in we got into this um, this uh, camouflage discussion um, when we were in uh, actually when we were in Montana. Me and I don't know if it was on. I did an episode of the PCP podcast, the Pacific Calls podcast. Um, I can't remember if we talked about this or if it was just like at dinner one day. But there needs to be more green waterfowl camos out there because the like waterfowl camos tend to just be like dead yellow, and for us up in the north. We start hunting waterfowl September 1st. Right. You know, like um, people in North Dakota are starting August 15th. Everybody that's going to Canada is starting September 1st. Um, you know, Minnesota starts the Saturday of Labor Day weekend, usually between the 3rd and the 5th. Like we literally have like five to seven weeks like where we're hunting in quite a bit of green yeah, we need, shit. Even our, we need even our opening weather. day of duck season is like green cattail. Yeah, and we you need go out there and you're wearing yellow. Breathable green waterfall hunting apparel <laughs> right <laughs> for like Actually. you know uh hunting in uh hay fields and uh just green uh cattails There's... if you're sitting in a marsh you're teal hunting or you're early you know you're doing uh wood duck hunting or something right first and couple it, weeks there just isn't enough options out there for green um sitka gear has a color called subalpine which is like on there that's the color of the face masks i just bought um, so I got a couple of, uh, marsh and a couple of subalpine. That's got some green in it. That's okay. But like, it's tough for a guy to find like early season camouflage. Like you said, like, why not just get some nice lightweight hoodies or some vests and get some green on their face masks, hats. When you do you an know, event, we're hun- we're hun- um, blind covers instead of white snow covers, you make green ones for, uh, for traffic fields. That's true. The soft Dude, farm just- cover. <laughs> cover camo. I just spent I just spent an absolutely retarded amount of money on layout blinds. <laughs> really? Yeah, dude. I'm not even gonna say, but I mean, you gotta can look have it up how much I I spent. I got six of the new Tangle Free Flight Series 
snap blinds and their corresponding snow covers. There you go. Yeah. My 06 SUVs, I thought, have been thinking for a little while it's time to retire them. And they still are perfectly functioning. They're clean. You know, they got some abrasive tears here and there. They all have a clean snow cover. I'm going to try to sell them for... 100 125 bucks with a snow cover there you go. once i get these tangle freeze in there you but go. layouts are not cheap which no they're not blow it Ain't blows that. me away the way people treat their layouts like just trashed trashed out my shitting all over them like money means nothing <laughs> <laughs> well you know you use them only get to use them for a few months then you throw them in the trailer or the garage and out of sight out of mind it's on ice fishing oh, or whatever fuck. else they do snowmobiling or whatever their thing might be have you ever pulled out a, a layout blind that had mouse piss in it oh for sure fuck man i have two and it's only happened to me once or twice because it's just it's the worst. It's been full I'm on a, mouse a, nests and and blinds before. Oh fuck, dude! I've had it like <laughs> I've had that one time. Like, when that happens, you it, know it, they've been chewing. Like and then you're gonna have holes uh, in it. Like they they make their nest nest out of the material right there in the blind. Like, I know, I nice. know. I've I've done uh I've gone to like the dollar store and bought like every single mothball and dryer sheet that they had, and stuffed them in my layout blind. I have hung them from the rafters of my shed like during the off season. And uh, luck, I, I've done it all, and I've been successful. Like once you find, once I found a mouse nest, and I'm one of these clean freak layout blind guys. I like my layout blinds nice and clean and empty of trash. When I find a fucking mouse nest in there, dude. I'm just devastated. <laughs> uh, I've only ever had that issue in like garages and sheds when the little trailer that I had. It's like I never had an issue. I don't. I don't. I think it was airtight, not airtight, but it was tight enough that mice weren't getting in there. So, oh, nice. Yeah, they just they just lived in that uh, that trailer. Had no reason to ever take them out. So, because I only only used that trailer for blinds and decoys. So, and since I'd been doing that, not a, not a single mouse problem. Hell yeah, dude, that's awesome. Well, hey, we've been chatting a while. Should we uh, should we wrap it up? Yeah, wrap her up. All right, guys. Uh, please buy the Goose Tech app. If you need to get better at goose calling. And why not try out a Nick Johnson Signature Series Pacific Calls? I'll be at Game Fair. Pacific Calls is up on Waterfowler's Hill this year, right next to Molk Gear. Um, up by the seminar tent on Waterfowler's Hill. Come down, say hi, get some calls tuned up. Try out what we have to offer. Um, also, while you're there, talk to Bob with Okamic Outfitters. It's after July 15th right now, so I hope you got your Manitoba license. If you didn't. You need to talk to Bob because he has some outfitter uh, allocated license, and you better hope Bob still has some <laughs> so you can go hunting with him up in Manitoba this year. And, and tell him you heard about it from the the, full, the Waterfall Wednesday Full Scale Outdoors yeah, podcast. from Nick Johnson on Full Scale Outdoors. Right. So, all right, that's about it. That's all I got to push all this right, week. Dude, we will talk next week. All right, man, chat with you later. Bye. Bye. I'm Will Cooper, host of HuntStand's Make Your Mark podcast. For even more content, be sure to watch the original films from HuntStand Presents on the Waypoint TV channel every Tuesday at 10 p.m. Eastern. Visit waypointtv.com to learn more. Four in the morning. 
Join me, Chef Jean-Paul Bourgeois, and the whole crew here at Duck Camp Dinners every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. Birds up in the sky.